TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Welcome back to Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer with you for 51 more minutes. And this segment, we are talking with District Attorney John Flynn about a few developments during the week. John, good morning. Good morning, Joe. Uh, John, first, I want to talk about the Antonio Brown case. Uh, he pled guilty to charges from the crash, the Maserati crash in 2009. Um, which resulted in the deaths of two people. Uh, where did this uh, guilty plea come from? What were the developments that led up to the guilty plea? Well, you know, obviously a defendant has a decision to make when they are presented with the evidence that I provide them. And, you know, the evidence was, was fairly strong. And, uh, again, I, I really didn't give the defendant much choice, to tell you the truth. Uh, you know, I told the defendant's lawyer that he basically had two options. He either pleads guilty to all the charges or he goes to trial. Um, I was not going to even entertain any type of plea offer at all. Um, we had two people who lost their life in this tragic accident, and this was a case where um, there was no plea that was going to be offered, period. And so, like I said, he had a choice to go to trial or plead guilty to all the charges, um, and he chose to plead guilty to all the charges. So, uh, you know, listen here, I... Um, <clears throat> Well, you know, while I uh, am very disappointed, uh, to say, say the least, uh, in his actions that night, uh, obviously by pleading guilty to the charges, he saved this family the, uh, the trauma of reliving it again by having us go to trial um, and, again, wasting the taxpayers' dollars, too, by having a, you know, a week or so trial here where, uh, again, I, I felt fairly confident that at the end of the day um, he was going to be found guilty of all charges. Now, John, is he facing sentencing per charge, or what's the maximum sentence with the charges put together that Antonio Brown is facing? No, there's no there's no per there's no per charge sentencing. They're all they're all concurrent sentences because um, uh, they were all they all resulted from the one same transaction. Um, he, the ma- the max punishment um, would have been 25 years. Uh, the judge, however, upon his plea of guilty, the judge. Uh, committed to um, giving him a, a range of three to nine. Uh, again, that has nothing to do with me, obviously. I thought that a judge, the judge is in charge of sentencing, but the judge obviously recognized that he was coming forward and taking responsibility and pleading guilty to all the charges and, again, saving the taxpayers and saving the family the trauma, and the judge, uh, you know, obviously gave him a break. So he will at least see three. There's no likelihood. There's no possibility of him seeing under three years. No, yeah, three, three to nine. All right, John. And also uh, the tragic shooting on Monday that um, resulted in the death of a three-year-old. Uh, just another rise, and you know, another example of this surge in violence. Um, where do we stand on that case this morning? 
Well, the investigation is pending. It's, it's obviously a murder, a murder investigation now, uh, uh, you know, instead of an assault investigation where, where there's just a shooting here. Um, you know, but we still have three others who were shot and who were injured, who, who survived. So we have three uh, survivors. Then we have, you know, a, a, a tragic three-year-old who has passed away. So it is now a murder investigation. Um, we have two persons of interest uh, that have been arrested um, on, um, you know, on, on charges um, that they have not been arrested on the actual shooting charges, but they've been arrested on gun and drug charges. Um, I cannot comment now on whether or not the gun charge is in any way related to the actual shooting. Um, I got to keep that close to the vest, obviously, so I'm not going to comment on that. Um, but, you know, we are, uh, uh, you know, continuing our investigation here. Um, and we are moving forward, and, and hopefully um, we will uh, you know, have more information within a, a week or so. Now, I, I heard you talking this week with Brian uh, about this surge in violence, and uh, what do you think is the main, not the main contributor, but something that plays into this? You, know, you, you see all these cases come to your desk. You're, you're seeing what's going on, especially in the major cities around New York State. Uh, what do you think is the, is the number one component that plays into this surge we've seen over the last few months? The number one component is, is, is I believe, is, uh, is COVID. Um, I, I, I don't like, quite frankly, we in society blaming COVID for every problem, um, though. I, I, I think it's kind of intellectually lazy, to tell you the truth, to just blame everything on COVID. Uh, but in this case, the, there, there's definitely a direct link between COVID and what I believe is what, what's happening out in the community. The, the last month, a year and four or five months, obviously, the two words that have dominated our life have been social distancing, okay? And so if you think about how social distancing has impacted uh, the communities where you're seeing a rise in violence, you have seen over the course of the past year and a half the, 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 our partners, um, you know, not just law enforcement, but let, let's start with community policing. We've had a very robust community policing operation going on in the city of Buffalo for a number of years now, where we have officers that are out and about on the street, boots on the ground, engaging in the community. You have, with the community policing, you have my office. When I took over in 2017, you know, shortly thereafter, I established a community prosecution bureau, all right, where I have lawyers in my office who are working with the Buffalo Police Department, uh, community policing, and together we are out in the community. We're at the Boys and Girls Clubs. We're at the YMCA. We're at the schools. We're at community centers. We, you know, we're out there on the streets helping foster not only the relationships with the community, but also gathering intelligence uh, and finding out what's going on out in the street. On top of that, you have all of the peacemaking community groups. You know, you have, um, you know, the Mad Dads. You have Snug. You have the peacemakers. You have all the all the um, the churches, all the pastor organizations that are out there. You have all these community organizations that 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 are that are in existence that have been working with my office, the Buffalo Police Department, over the course of the past four years, 
and now all of a sudden you turn a switch on and you shut it down. And now, Joe, there's no one out in the street now, okay, for the past year and a half. I mean, not, not literally, obviously, but not, not the way it was. You know, so you have, you have no, no engagement in the community. And when, and when you have that, that, that vacuum there, okay, which is, which is in, in a, non-existent now, okay, I believe you're going you're gonna to have problems. And I, and I think that that's what's happening all across the country because it's not just Buffalo that has community policing. You know, every, every city in, in this country has community policing and has, has organizations that are out there on the street, you know. And so I, I really think that if, if you had to pin me down here and give me the number one factor, you know, that would be it. Are there others? Absolutely. I mean, you, you hear a lot about bail reform, okay, and you, and you hear a lot of people say – that, you know, it's not a coincidence that bail reform started on January 1st, 2020, and the spike in violent crime and shootings just started to go up in the year 2020, and it's continued now in 2021. Um, That's a fact, okay? There's no doubt about that, okay? Whether or not it's a coincidence or not, or whether or not it's an actual link to the rise in crime, I don't know yet, to tell you the truth. I, I'm, not, I'm not ready to, to, to definitively say that that is definitely one of the problems there. Because, again, you've got to remember, Joe, that, like you said earlier, the spike in violent crime and the spike in homicides is going on across the country in pretty much all the major cities in, in America. And all the major cities and all the states in America haven't had bail reform. You know, like we have. Okay, so you can't just say that, you know, it's going up in New York State because of bail reform, but it's going up in Illinois because of something else and because there was no bail reform in Illinois. So it's just not logical to actually to to ping it on bail reform 100 percent. With that said, though, Joe, I do believe that bail reform is not good, okay? I, I mean, I mean, I like some parts of it, but but you know, th- th- there are a lot of parts of bail reform that I I can make an educated guess on, and I think is having an impact, um, uh, you know, on the rise in numbers. Um, so you know, again, I, I'm not going to pin it on bail reform, but I do believe it's a factor, though. Um, but I, I think it's more so um, the. Um, the, the, the fact that we have not been out and about and on the streets for the past year and a half. And, and speaking of bail reform, and I, I heard you say this earlier this week, and you, know, we, you and I spoke about bail reform when it was first uh, announced a few years ago on, on this show. Uh, but looking at bail reform, like you said, there are things you like about bail reform. Not all of it, but there are certain, certain charges that, you know, okay, you can see bail reform there. Do you think because we are in such this highly politicized time in 2021 uh, that, you know, you've got one party that says, hey, you got to keep it all. And you've got another party that says you got to get rid of the whole thing that, you know, you don't have a lot of people uh, making those decisions that can look at it, as you said, and say, well, there are parts we can keep. But obviously, some of these parts are playing into what we are seeing throughout major cities in New York State. Well, you know, the, 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 the common sense middle ground uh, n- needs to wake up, okay? And, and, and people who, um, you know, who have common sense and can work with both sides, like I can, all right, um, uh, you know, n- n- need to speak up more. And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start, I'm, I'm going to speak up more, okay? Um, you know, on, on, 
next weekend, um, you know, the, the, the National District Attorneys Association is going to have their summer conference in Virginia. Um, and next weekend at that summer conference, um, I'm going to be elected president-elect of that association, of the, of the nationwide DAs across the country. And so I'll be president-elect in 2021 and 2022, and then I'll be president automatically next summer in 2022. So I'm going to have a nationwide voice here in this, hopefully. And, you know, we need to come to some mutual understanding that there are valid arguments on both sides, okay? And, and you, you hit the nail on the head, Joe, okay? Just, just, just look at the gun violence here, okay? You know, on the left, all right, everyone on the left, they say, you know, guns are the problem, okay? It's all about guns. Guns this, guns that, okay? That's on the left. Then on the right, they say, well, you know, they, they find nothing wrong with guns, okay? And they say it's all people, that people are the problem, okay? The answer is, is that they're both wrong, but they're both right, okay? Guns are a problem, okay? You know, the, the, the flow of illegal firearms into Buffalo is a problem for this community, okay? There's no doubt about that. But that's not the only problem because on the other side of it, Joe, guns don't magically appear in someone's waistband, okay? Guns don't magically appear in someone's hand and then the trigger goes off automatically, all right? A human being has to pull that trigger, all right? A human being has to point that gun at another human being and fire that gun, all right? The gun that doesn't go off automatically here, okay? So you have both. You have the flow of illegal guns coming into our community that needs to be stopped. But on the other hand, you also need to focus on the bad guys who are shooting people and killing three-year-olds and hold them accountable and put them in jail for the rest of their life and get them off the streets, Joe, okay? So you got to do both things, all right? So when are we going to come to some common-sense middle ground here and work together and have both the left and both the right, again, who are both wrong and who are both right, okay, and have them come together to, to do something about this so we don't have more three-year-olds getting shot and killed while they're riding a bicycle um, watching, watching fireworks. No, so obviously you can tell that, you know, this, this upsets me. <laughs> and, it sh- and it shouldn't. And, and you know, John, I- I'm glad to hear you say that because it does. There are some aspects in life, I feel, we let politics just get in the way. And this is one of the things where you've got to put parties aside. And like you said, just look at common sense. Yeah, I agree. I, I-, I-, I agree. I mean, we have to we have to we have to hold people accountable. Uh, there's no doubt about that. We have to hold people accountable. And, you know, again, what, 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 what has also happened, I believe, from, you know, a, a, you know a, a political front over the course of the past two years is that, you know, we, we, we've, we've obviously, you know, it's a problem, okay, Joe, when you have a man in uniform, a police officer, put their knee on someone's neck and kill them, okay? That that that's not good, okay? That that that's a problem that upsets me as well, okay? And and those incidents, all right, have to be addressed and handled. And and I and they were rightly handled in Minnesota. And that police officer is going to jail now for the majority of the rest of his life, okay? Um, but what we what what's happened though? It, it's a slingshot effect, okay? You know, you, you you go you pull the you pull the rubber band, you pull the slingshot too far, okay? And now what we have here is that we have 
a, in some circles, a hatred for all law enforcement, okay, which we cannot have, okay, which is a, which is a bad thing as well, okay, because the law enforcement goes out each and every day. They put their life on the line each and every day when they go out in the street, knowing they might not come back home at night, okay? As 28 years in the Navy, like I have, okay, I appreciate duty, okay? And I appreciate a police officer's duty. Do I like the fact that I, we, no officers do things wrong and commit crimes? Absolutely not. Do I believe that officers should be held accountable for their actions, okay, and, and, and face criminal prosecution when they cross the line? Absolutely. But on the other hand, do I, do I respect their duty? Do I respect their honor and what they do each and every day? Absolutely. So we, we, we have to, we, it, it can't be an either or, Joe, okay? It can't be, it, it can't be an us versus them, okay? We, we can't hate all police and hate all law enforcement. And, and, and we, we, you know, we have to recognize and, and, again, hold those accountable who do things wrong, but on the other hand, appreciate and respect law enforcement and understand that law enforcement has a job to do. And the job they, they have to do, specifically now going back to your original point, is help me find the killers of this three-year-old boy, which we're going to get done. Well said. Now, John, before we let you go, uh, congratulations on the uh, NDAA president-elect. How did this come along? Um, well, you know, I, I got involved in the organization when I first became DA, um, uh, as, as I did, you know, with, with our state DA organization. And so, you know, I, I got involved in it. And I, you know, I, I, I love my job. I love being a district attorney. And, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, you know, uh, you know I, I brought the passion that I have for this job um, to, to, to the national level here. And uh, my, my colleagues across the country, uh, I think, recognize that and think I have something to offer. And, uh, and uh, you know, they're going to they're going to elect me uh, president-elect on uh, next Sunday. Well, have fun at Virginia Beach. Always been one of my favorite places to go visit. I spent a lot of time there in the Navy. I, I remember, I've been back there a number since I, since I retired from the Navy in 2017. I, I have not been back there, so I'm, I'm looking forward to going back there. Now, I, I wasn't going to bring this up, but I'm going to bring this up before we, before we uh, get out of here. Um, now, I play for the Hurwitz and Fine softball team, and I have to say I was quite disappointed when I didn't see you at the game. Um, well, well, you know, I, I have um, a, a lot of younger DAs in my office who are much better than me in softball. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let the younger crew in my office um, get out there and win. <laughs> well, I, I'm glad you weren't there also. I was disappointed and glad because I struck out in that game, and that was very embarrassing. <laughs> That's great. District Attorney John Flynn joining us. John, thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Joe. That is District Attorney John Flynn uh, addressing the tragic surge in violence we have seen over the last few months. And more notably, what we saw on Monday, where uh, it resulted in the death of a three-year-old. Very tragic. When we come back after news with Neil McManus, we are taking your calls. 803-0930. I want to know what you think about this surge in violence uh, that we have seen not just in, in Buffalo, but throughout the United States and throughout the state of New York. I mean, look at the three biggest cities in the state of New York, and you have seen that surge. I also, if anyone has a comment on something that has not been talked about that much, uh, and I'm very surprised it hasn't, if you have a comment on the, the uh, military pullout in Afghanistan and how that has been, um, how, how that's been going 
and how quickly that's happening, how that's been handled. I'd like to know what you think, 803-0930. I do have a few clips from this week with George Stephanopoulos that I want to play when we get back. But if you have a comment on that, we'll take that as well at 803-0930. Yes, because I I made a scheduling uh, error at 10 o'clock. We have an open segment here at 1130. I'd like to talk to you. So 803-0930, that's the call-in number. That's also the number for the Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board. If you have a comment on this surge in violence we have seen throughout the United States or on the handling of troop withdrawal from Afghanistan and how quickly we have seen parts of Afghanistan uh, get reclaimed by the Taliban, uh, I'd like to know your comments on that. 803 930 It's Joe Beamer. It's Hardline. We're getting a check with news with Neil McManus and then right back here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and ATT at tmobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back. It is Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. And yes, we are opening the phone lines up to you this morning. Um, this last segment. And just a few things we've been talking about. You heard with John Garcia and John Flynn, we talked about the surge in violence, and I want to know your comments on that. And also the troop withdrawal from Afghanistan and how it's been handled. I'd like to know your opinions as well. Uh, 803-0930, star 930, and the Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board is open at 803 930. As I said, we um we we heard about this. We, we're starting to hear more and more about the troop withdrawal from Afghanistan, but it really, in my opinion, um hasn't gotten the media attention that I thought it would. You know, you hear a story here or there, um, but now that that date moved back to or moved up to the end of August for troops troops to be out of Afghanistan, and we are seeing that take place. 803-0930 is the number. Tony and Clarence is our first caller. Tony, good morning. 
Uh, Joe, as always, a, good, a very good and informative show. I appreciate your work out there. I appreciate it, Tony. What What do you think of uh, of these issues that we're talking about? Well, first of all, we're, we're not the most populous country in the world. I, I don't know our ranking, but we have the most guns in the world, and that was a good point that Flynn made. The preponderance of the number of guns people own is, is it's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, we have more guns per capita in this country than anywhere in the world. So if you have more guns, more people have access to them, correct? They can use them in whatever way, for the good, like you, you've talked about in the past for hunting and for legitimate reasons, or for bad reasons like what happened in the city of Buffalo with the 50-some-odd people killed. On Afghanistan, we only had 2,500 troops there to begin with at the time of the start of the withdrawal. It's a disaster. I'll be honest, I'm not, I'm not criticizing Biden on this point, but the whole thing's a disaster because what it's left is the Taliban now holds or takes over 50% of the country, not by taking it over with physical arms. They paid off the warlords to stop uh, to allow the territory to be taken over. So, in, in effect, this is a disaster. Uh, you know that there are over 18,000 prisoners at the Bagram Air Basin uh, that is evacuated? 18,000 prisoners are there at right this minute. And what, what's going to happen to these people? If they get take, uh, uh, freed, they're going to start fighting on the, on the Taliban side. So, in my opinion, the whole thing is a disaster. But the disaster started that President Bush and others put troops in Afghanistan. This was when the disaster started after 9-11. This is when everything started. You, we didn't fight a war in Afghanistan because the Russians, the British, and others tried to fight war in a mountainous country, and it never worked. So we never learned from history that this was impossible. They did get rid of some of the problems with with the uh, different groups that were there, but there was no winning a war. That was never going to be a war won. It reminded me more of Vietnam. We threw away 40,000 lives, including two of my cousins. So I'm not happy with what's going on there. And I, but you, 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 Senator, you, you know, you, you, you have to understand that you could not continue to have a war in Afghanistan without stopping it at some point. In fact, Donald Trump promised us last year that the troops would be drawn by uh, May of 2020. That didn't happen, did it, Joe? No, promise that did not happen. Tony, I, I, I am not, I'm not taking a, a, a side here. I, I just want to know what people thought of the handling. Um, but you know, I will agree with one thing you said. Um, I do believe, uh, no matter who the president would have been when the withdrawal would have would have started, uh, we would probably probably be seeing close to the same results. Um, I, I do want to just go back to the uh, to to your gun comment because you know, as uh, John Flynn and I were talking about, do you think? Not, not, not to say your point is wrong, but do you think there could be adjustments made to Governor Cuomo's bail reform? 
Well, the point is, I, I, you were talking on, you know, last week you spoke well of some of these issues. I have to tell you that. But the point is, is there were no court. We did not have a court. There were no court trials in the entire pandemic period. We didn't have any courts. So how would bail, bails were set by electronic means. There were no court procedures. Were, were they, Joe? No, just uh, uh, later in the pandemic, we did have Zoom court. But yes, you're correct. But guess what? The rights of an individual to have the uh, trial of their peers was violated. So you did not really have a court. And as far as the bail laws go, they had, a good, like, like somebody said, I, I may have been the Garcia, they had good intentions because people were in jail for stealing a candy bar or a loaf of bread indefinitely while they're trying to set up a trial. Am I correct? Could sit there forever. And then Rikers, that's just a disaster waiting to explode. The point is, is, yes, the bail laws should be again addressed. But they were addressed and modified at one point in time after they originally were passed. And the judges did have discretion. People with firearms committing homicides and felonies, they had the right to be kept in jail at that point in time. So there, there has to be more adjustments. You're right, Joe. All right, Tony and Clarence, I appreciate the call. Opens the line for you at 803-0930. Uh, let's go to a city that is seeing a surge in violence as well, and that is John in Rochester. John, good morning. Hey, Joe. Yeah, I wanted to talk about the bail reform. I've got a building downtown here in Rochester, and we've had problems for uh, 20, 25 years or more with, uh, uh, well, typical crime uh, burglaries, that type of thing. Uh, but one of our bigger problems has been uh, panhandlers in traffic. Uh, you can legally panhandle, but you cannot get into uh, the flow of traffic and impede traffic. And it's been a big problem for us for, for a long time. Now, the police have been great. The police have uh, come out and uh, uh, enforced the traffic law. However, they warned me. When this Bail Reform Act was going to be passed, which was was January first, two thousand, uh, or two thousand, I should say, two thousand twenty, uh, they warned me before that that their ability to monitor this is going to be really reduced. And I'll tell you, Joe, it's a huge problem. I made sixteen nine one one calls yesterday alone uh, on this situation. It's it's it's. It's just a, a tip of the iceberg type of thing. It's a mi- when you think about it, it's a minor uh, issue, but but the point is, it's a, you have to enforce this broken the broken windows theory, which says if you've got to take care of these minor offenses because it leads to more serious crime, and I really believe that. And of course, in Rochester right now, we have a tremendous amount of uh, uh, shootings. And murders. In fact, uh, per capita, if we're on the, we continue on this pace on the murders. We're going to have we'll be the highest per capita murder cap. We'll be the murder capital of the world per capita. Did, now, is is this shooting spree in, in Rochester? Did this start during the uh, pandemic? For uh, for you guys, did it start around the same time we're seeing the surge here in Buffalo? I, I would say yes. 
I would say yes. Although it has been a, it, it actually it started escalating before the pandemic. Uh, I just think it's a natural uh, a natural um, situation which uh, all, all urban areas have experienced. But uh, definitely in 2021, uh, you know, we're on a record pace. As I said, uh, we're going to lead the country on this at this pace in per capita murders. Do you uh, do you like the new mayor out there in Rochester, John? I love him. Yep. Uh, I, I followed his career when he started on the school board, I think, 15 years ago. And I've actually talked to him on some talk shows, similar talk shows that you have, Joe, uh, over the years. And he's just a, just a, a fine individual. He's, he actually uh, is a loan officer. He's been a loan, his history as far as employment goes, not only for his volunteerism, but uh, he's been a loan officer for a number of banks in town. And uh, I, I personally know some people that are, are he, he is their account officer. And the guy is a very effective loan officer and, of course, a volunteer in the community as a school board member. So, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a phenomenal – I couldn't be happier. John in Rochester, thank you so much for uh, calling in. It opens the line for you at 803-0930. Let's go to Jim in Ripley, who has a response for our previous caller, Tony and Clarence. Jim, good morning. It's Tim, but uh, thank you for taking my call. Great show, though. Thank you, Tim. What do you got for us? A couple points. Uh, first off, let's talk about guns. Um, you know, after listening to uh, D.A. Flynn and uh, what Tony had to say, uh, the point I want to make out is it's not the issue of illegal guns that I'm concerned with. It's Second Amendment rights. First off, the two biggest uh, – there was a surge of people legally buying handguns in the last year. It was a uh, record pace. The biggest two groups of buying handguns were, guess what, females – for self-protection, and the second biggest group was minorities in inner cities uh, for during lack of protection with everything going on with the police. So I understand there's an issue with illegal guns in the city, but it's a uh, capital capitalistic uh, you know supply and demand. If there's a need, they're going to get the guns. So my biggest thing with what, Flint, uh, with what D.A. Flynn said and Tony is, as long as you know the focus with Democrats seems to be uh, you know basically infringing on rights of, of citizens to have weapons, and I'll leave it at that. Two, with Afghanistan. I've been there twice um, within the military. Uh, been to Bagram Air Force ba- or, uh, Base, which is a Russian base. It's about 40 miles north of Kabul. It's where you fly in and out of the country most of the time when you're coming in or, or going out. There is no prison there. There's no 18,000 uh, prisoners in Bagram Air Force Base. There's three major prisons. The one I dealt with was Poland Cards, uh, which is literally about 15 miles east of Kabul. Now, I agree with uh, Joe Biden. It was, you know, crash control. The original intent when we invaded Afghanistan, if you remember, is uh, Pashtun Wali, they were protecting basically al-Qaeda, and we gave them the deal. Uh, you know, either give us al-Qaeda, well, they won't do it. It's, if you ever saw the movie Lone Survivor, that's what saved that guy when he's in the village, Pashtun Wali. Um, long story short, I, I believe we do, we do have to pull out. It was an unwinnable war. The original intent from Bush the, again, was to destroy uh, the people that attacked us. But to say you're going to build a nation there, no, you're not going to do it. it. It's just there's no sense of itself uh, from top to bottom. But 
I think it's huge geopolitically for us to give up Bagram Air Force Base, and I'll tell you why. Uh, that country is going to fall to the Taliban within six months. It's going to happen. But if we maintain a presence there, keep that base, the reason it's important is you're literally 15 minutes from Russia. You're about a half hour from China. Anywhere there's a hot spot in the world, you would have a presence, uh, and that's from a national defense standpoint. I honestly would probably move the embassy out of Kabul. That's going to fall and move it to uh, basically Bagram Air Force Base and maintain a small influx of troops and rotate Air Force out. That way they can support the Afghan National Army but not have a large footprint in Afghanistan. And that's pretty much all I got to say. Tim, I appreciate the call. That is, and thank you for your service, Tim. That is Tim in Ripley opening up a line for you at 8.03.0930. Here are a few um, comments from the White House talking about the withdrawal, um, the withdrawal from Afghanistan, and also the uh, notion that they're abandoning helpers. I don't know if you've heard this uh, this story, uh, but here are two quotes from the White House. What we are trying to determine is U.S. facilities and bases that are located in uh, different parts of the world uh, where we can house uh, these brave and courageous individuals while their processing continues. And what she's talking about are people that helped the U.S. troops. And they were promised that, you know, once we uh, are time in Afghanistan was over, that they would be able to come to to the United States, is how I understand it. Um, but now we are seeing a few of these helpers, translators, um, being denied, having issues. Uh, I heard of one story where someone was here, they were, they were close to getting their political asylum, um, and something happened to where the United States said, well, sorry, you you have to go back. Um, so Jen Psaki, as you heard, was pressed on that Friday and said that the White House is working with these helper, helpers. They're not going to abandon them. But that is a big, uh, a, a big pressing point, leaving Afghanistan. What about the people that you promised asylum here? Um, so they don't They aren't threatened by the Taliban, which they will be if they are left in Afghanistan. Here's President Joe Biden talking about leaving Afghanistan uh, by August 31st. President Biden said there would be no mission accomplished celebration, although he did say the U.S. has done what it came to do in Afghanistan, defeat the al-Qaeda terrorists who attacked us on 9-11. But the president was defensive and at times testy when questioned about Afghanistan's future, saying that was now up to the Afghan people. But the future of Afghanistan is very much in peril right now. That was Martha Raddis talking about President Joe Biden and uh, his address to the media last week, um, talking about this moving the date up to August 31st. And as you see, they, as they leave, uh, Taliban making gains throughout Afghanistan. It's estimated that more than a third of the country is controlled by the Taliban. They claim 85 percent, including key border crossings. And we've seen those videos of Afghan troops massacred or forced to surrender. And we'll see how this plays out. I'm sure uh, we'll talk about it during the week. But as you've heard, two of our callers uh, with um, with knowledge of what's going on saying that, hey, this was a this 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 is how this was going to end. And I, I think more and more people, that's what they're saying. Hey, you know, maybe 
winning wasn't going to happen and whoever it was that was going to withdraw troops uh, was going to see the same thing. But we heard from Tim and Ripley who said, well, maybe we should at least keep that Air Force base and keep a presence in Afghanistan before completely completely uh, withdrawing all our, our troops. But uh, as you see, I mean, it, it seems like when we do hear an update on this troop withdrawal, we hear of Taliban gains throughout the uh, the Af- throughout Afghanistan. 803-0930, we still have a few minutes left. We'd like to talk to you. Let's go to Patrick in Hamburg. Patrick, sorry about that. I, uh, I pressed the button too quickly, and uh, the call disappeared. I apologize. Patrick, good morning. Oh, good morning, Joe. That's no problem. I think if uh, John Garcia wants to help out, then maybe the sheriff's department should have patrols in the city because, you know, that would help fight crime. Even if they just do traffic enforcement, that alone would help out immensely. But, you know, Joe, he got really low down and dirty in his primary campaign against his opponent. I mean, that was very unprofessional, the way he conducted himself. And in my view, that disqualifies John Garcia from holding public office. I mean, you can't go that low and say you're not political. I'm sorry, John Garcia lost my vote after the ugly campaign he ran. I just don't want that behavior in the sheriff's department. Let me ask. Let me ask you, Patrick. Uh, so, will you vote in the sheriff's race? I absolutely will, but I want a professional person in there. So I'm looking at this campaign to see who conducts themselves professionally, who is most qualified. Both candidates, well, there's five of them out there now, but the leading candidates are both from the City of Buffalo Police Department and worked together. I believe uh, one of them trained John Garcia. Uh, I'm just looking for professionalism. And the way John Garcia acted during the primary, you can't get that ugly and then think the voters are going to forget about it and it's like a clean slate no that was very unprofessional and when he was on today your show talking about professionalism and he's not political and all this that's baloney if you just look at the primary that was way too ugly john garcia lost my vote patrick and hamburg i appreciate the call opens the line for you at 803-0930 but we are we only have a minute left um as he mentioned, we do have other sheriff candidates. Kim Beatty will be joining us next Sunday. And again, I will say it for the 10th time. I am sorry. I apologize. That was a miscommunication on my part. Yes, the guy on the radio who went to school for communications, I had a miscommunication issue, and I apologize. Uh, but we will be talking with the Democrat nominee, Kim Beatty, next Sunday at 10.06. That is my promise to you We have already talked with the campaign, and next week at 10.06, Kim Beattie will be on uh, Hardline. And I hope you will join us here on Hardline as well. Don't miss another great week of programming kicking off tomorrow with a new morning with Susan Rose and Brian Mazarowski, B-Maz and Beamer with Brian Mazarowski and myself, David Bellavia, 10 to 2. Tom Bowerly, 2 to 6, and wrapping it up with Buffalo's Evening News with Tom Puckett, 6 to 7. And don't forget, starting at 7 a.m., your WBEN Summer Stimulus. Yes, another week of chances for you to win $1,000. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great Sunday afternoon. We'll see you later on WBEN. 
TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 